Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. And uh, by God, thank you for being with us on this uh, this you know somber and special day. I have to say, um, and we've done we've had this experience uh, you know before. We've been on the air I think once before um, on nine eleven years ago. It is bit this remembrance has been going on so long that we have cycled through it ending it landing on a Saturday. Um, uh, multiple times. That's kind of indicative of how far removed and yet still how fresh a lot of this stuff is. And um, I have to, I got to be like completely honest. It is hard for me um, when this kind of thing comes up to sort of arrange in my head how to do the show, how, what, you know, how to address this. Because on the one hand, uh, a, a, a true remembrance has value, and it is good to remember not only the victims of that day, and if if you've watched any of the reading of the, the victims' names this morning, I literally turned it on for all of 30 seconds before I started tearing up, because they have, they have the victims' family members reading, in alphabetical order, reading a section of the names, ending usually on their relative before moving on to the next family. And they have, I, you know, they, the switchover is so fast, I feel like they have multiple podiums. I haven't seen the a wide shot of the, I didn't get a chance to see a wide shot of what they're doing, but it seems like they just pick up right away because it would take forever in a lot of ways. And then it, what struck me while they were reading this, and just the, you know, one of the, you know, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna trigger myself, but one of the, uh, when I first turned it on, it was a girl and her um, sister reading their ultimately what led up to their father's name. And she's pregnant with what would have been his grandchild. And, and you you could see them holding it together, but barely. And, and it's just there, you know, there's a bittersweet to it because they've got this new life coming into their, into their world while saying goodbye to their dad. And then the one detail that strikes me, I think, most about 9-11, besides the obvious involvement uh, involvement of the Saudi royal family, we'll get to that, um, because some of the information that the uh, that Trump, un, uh, I guess technically they didn't intend to do this, but they released some of the information through lazy redaction that brings it even closer to tying it to the House of Saud and all that. Um, the the and the Biden administration, specifically Joe Biden, wants to declassify even more stuff coming from there. Um, that in in doing that, um, that you know it, it that's one of the details that is going to start you know after twenty years really coming out and after the the death of Jamal Khashoggi. A, no one's surprised, but also I think there's a, a a renewed interest in recognizing the sort of uh, humanitarian failings, let's just say, of that particular government in the world, which will be, I, I think, a large part of the next 20 years of remembrance as, yeah, as the, as the Saudis quite frankly, run out of money and uh, oil becomes less important to the world and we have to 
you know, we as a government, you know, and as a country have to don't have to play as much footsie in the world to keep our lights on. And that's been a part of our our domestic and foreign policy for the last 50 years, specifically because of that. Um, this this awareness that they could at any time choke off our ability to function has made us look past a lot of the more horrifying things in the world. In the same way, I would argue that we have looked past many of the atrocities in China because we needed the production. And as COVID has moved production to parallel countries in the region, like Vietnam, Cambodia, uh, Taiwan again, and South Korea, and out of China, and as China continues to shun, you know, the the West, you know, this giant picture, any democracy essentially, um, that that in their shunning of that, um, you know, we are becoming more emboldened, I think, to speak openly as a country about their shortcomings in a way that they just did not have uh, sort of a, a stranglehold on us to some degree. And we had to trade off. Do we, you know, millions out of work or speak honestly about these people? And that has been a balancing act in the State Department and in our governing principles for decades because of that. And it's not just business interests versus reality. It is American jobs, American taxpayers' worth and health care and all these other things that are tied up in our economy, tied up in our ability. Ambulances still run on gas. It's This is a reality that the American uh, system recognizes. And as we get further from that, it will be interesting to see this. But one of the other things, I think the, the primary detail that uh, that I think, I don't know how to put it, like affects me every year when this comes around, is that there are somewhere in the order of 1,100 9-11 dead that are still, their remains are still unaccounted for because, because they, they, you know, I think, I think the New York Times has it listed at 1106 currently because they have continued because of DNA um, technology getting better over the last 20 years to be able to tell. And you were talking about human beings who were effectively pulverized in their death, just beyond measure. And in rubble, that was, you know, much of it was, there was just nowhere to put it all. So they just scooped a lot of it up to get as much of it out of there because it was also, you know, we talk about the, and we will discuss that today, the sort of toxic air around New York. We'll understand that that um, the, the concrete and asbestos and all the stuff that was in the buildings that fell was in and of itself, you know, puffing toxins into the air by sitting there in the wind the longer you let it stay. So there was this movement to go as bad as the air drifting through the city was just from the actual fall. That stuff sitting there with rain and wind and weather affecting it, um, you know, it could have a very drastic effect on the health of all New Yorkers. And with it, with the removal of it as fast as they possibly could and the recognition of that danger, so with it went the remains, all but minuscule amounts of uh, well over 1,200 of the people killed that were not identified directly. Um, and for those families, you know, watching and waiting, 
it, there's just a level of heartbreak as they know that their family member worked there. They know that their family member was there. They, but they have no remains to bury because they were on the, you know, the 23rd floor of a gigantic office building that collapsed centrally into there. Um, oh, and uh, Johnny, we can hear you, right? Can you say hi? Let's make sure that, yeah, okay. So they should be able to hear you in, um, in, out in the interwebs. We're streaming, of course, at infotainmentwars.com and, of course, at uh, Fwank dot com f w a n q um on twitch twitch.tv slash al sparks where you know if you are um the the college kid that's still living in your house yes can subscribe yes nice well thanks man i appreciate that that's sweet um yeah um we will you know talk we're going to take a break um when we come back i want to talk a little bit about that i we're also going to take calls but um not until after we have um uh, my hero power coming on at the mid mark. And I think it's kind of, you know, they support the station, they support the show in Chicago. Um, but also it's, it, you know, what led us into this situation was the fact was our reliance on fossil fuels. Um, oh, I see. Oh, I know what it is. Gotcha. Yeah, so the the idea, you know, within I beg your pardon. Uh I fixed it guys. You should be able to hear Johnny now. Thank you. Um It's always been about oil. Yeah. So the 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 reality that we deal with in looking back on this is is that this is what this this was the sort of the the price that came due in our reliance on fossil fuel and our, um, you know, it's singular stranglehold on our economy, on our way of life, and and not just us. You know, there's a lot of, you know, American-focused uh, energy on this stuff, but the, the, the entire world uh, jumped on the petroleum bandwagon very early on without any knowledge of the, the danger that would come. It took us a while even to get lead out of gasoline. We got to take a break. We'll be back right after this, right after this. And uh, like I said, I want to discuss a little bit about where we go from here and what the lesson of this time is in terms of the ultimate lesson in many ways of 9-11 is that renewables and getting as far away from a resource-based economy as possible will be the defining change in international relations and Without this question. kind of thing happening. Um, and I, I think philosophically, that that's the thing we also need to never forget. We'll be back right after this. Attention, attention. It's great for a somber day like today. Because we're coming back to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Oh they went a little crazy with it, and I appreciate it. It's now let's get alive. back with Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega <laughs> Worldwide. I and we'll be right back. I always jump the gun, and I and like they're so long. I always think they're done, and then they're not. 
Um, uh, hi, everybody in the chat room, and, and, and thank you for joining us at infotainmentwars.com and, of course, at flank.com um, on YouTube, on Twitch, on if you're on Twitter. If you follow me at Hal Sparks, you can watch it there as well. If you want, you can watch on uh, Facebook at the Hal Sparks page. There's a little at the Hal Sparks page. Um, that's how they do it now. Like even, I guess, even you, uh, Facebook has fallen into that. Um, the the one thing I want to make, like really the point of discussing it today, is because we'll talk about, there, there's no way to get around in the discussion of today and people replaying the video and all that. And we all remember where we were. And we'll talk in the next hour about our own personal memories of that day a little bit and, you know, perhaps intermingled with some of the folks, you know. And to me, though, while it's interesting and while it does provide a personal connection to that day in many ways, the same way, you know, people of the generation before talk about the Kennedy assassination or things like that. Um, the reality is in, in never forgetting how this happened and, you know, what happened, I guess, is to remind rem, is to really remember how it what led up to it, that it was, you know, in and this is not in any way to forgive the actions of the people involved. Um, it, in my estimation, it was an act of absolute evil. There is no excuse um, for killing innocent people to get your point across ever, not ever. Um, I'm against the death penalty, because not because some people don't deserve it in theory, but because there's a chance that an innocent person might be killed. And that is reason enough to just lock someone up and proverbially throw away the key, right? That's it. And it so- It doesn't prevent anything. No, it does not. Um, and and the worst of the worst who deserve it most of the time are the people who could care less and have no concept yeah, of they, life and death. They just didn't think they'd be caught. That's right. And the same thing applies, I would argue, to the uh, to the hijackers and the people that supported them, and the people that you know caused those deaths on that day, or any act of terrorism that leads to a death. Um, that's you always think. Well, it's you know I'm doing this to show off my. Uh, my fealty to whatever cause, whatever leader, whatever mm -hmm. uh, psychopathy that I actually have. So, but the one thing I do want to really make the point about in our never forgetting 9-11 is never forgetting that this is in fact related to blowback from our involvement in these countries being so deeply uh involved in the oil trade. If indeed all these attackers had come from Afghanistan or had come from Iraq at all and not been financially supported by the Saudis and had been related to a bunch of intermingled back and forth between us and the Cold War between Russia and all this, none of this would matter. The Russians wanting a pipeline through Afghanistan, the uh, the the Europeans need for a, the Nord Stream pipeline right now from Russia, the financial help that it gives to Russia and carrying out what it does, the petro, the, the, like the petrochemical industry, both our use of fossil fuels to burn for, uh, uh, you know, to keep the engine of society running, um, mixed with, of course, our need for plastics, because let's not forget how much plastic is in our world. And how much of it comes from the petroleum industry? It is, it is in many ways about to, if it has not already, overtake the, the our need for actually burning of oil specifically 
is our need for making plastics out of it. So the memory that we should have along with those of the people who who passed and the damage and the heartbreak that went with that family to remind ourselves to never forget that is not necessarily to go who shake our fist at the at the hijackers that died or shake our fist at the people who who supported them fed them housed them taught them how to fly but not how to land uh paid for those flight lessons all the other stuff that goes with uh you know that led up to 9-11 in a material sense but also our part in as we became aware because I'm a lot more forgiving about the early addiction to oil that America and other countries had. Because quite frankly, it was simply, if you look at There Will Be Blood, um, you know, from, you know, the movie, or, you know, if that's most people's, I think, closest idea to the sort of the oil rush. Or or people's view about the Beverly Hillbillies was our view of oil for a very long time. I mean, think about that. That this was just, oh my God, discovering oil on your land. That's fantastic. And it would lead to this. This is not a, you know, throwing guilt or aspersion about a burgeoning economy that came out of something that fueled something in a way, literally, that most of us couldn't grasp. That you would have to like, we're going to there will be energy breakthroughs in our lifetime that perhaps will equal oil. But they will come over a slow rolling period of time. If we have, you know, thorium micronuclear reactors everywhere that don't produce weaponizable waste and have a shorter half-life for the waste they do produce and you can bury it in the earth and it goes away, it's not a concern. That will happen, but it will happen over decades as and, and solar panels become increasingly efficient to the point where you'll just paint them onto your car and the car sitting in the sun during the day, you know, the, the damage that will be done to that is uh, uh, parking garages because everyone, nobody wants to park on the roof right now. Then everybody will want to park on the roof. The best parking space in a parking garage right now is on the first floor. It will be the top floor at some point because of that, right? That every house will be built with uh, paint on solar panels or, uh, you know, a and a white roof. I cannot tell you, folks, it, whatever you can do to lighten the color of your roof helps. It's as, it's nearly as good as planting five trees You can it, because it reflects light the way snow and, and ice does. I don't know why anyone in Phoenix or Las Vegas or Tucson or anywhere in Texas doesn't have a white roof. It boggles my mind. So that said, nothing was a force accelerator on an economy that, by the way, led us to um, less than a billion people alive on the whole planet to nearly 7 billion people on al alive on the whole planet because now you could feed them. You can get food to places where there is no food with vehicles that are on tires that roll out into the middle of someplace because they're powered by a gas engine in a way that laying train tracks would never have been practicable. That building a, a runway and flying stuff in short distance to a bunch of places or having enough hel you know, helicopters in the air to short run food and the like. D trucking and cars have not only saved billions of lives, but created billions of lives. And so our addiction to oil 
you know, which gets written off as this kind of like, ah, like our grandparents and our parents should have known, should have known that this was going to be poisonous later. I got news for you, kids. Everything was poisonous when they were alive. Everything. The Industrial Revolution, living anywhere for very long, living downstream from someplace and not understanding, you know, the, you know, geothermal shifts. Everything was toxic. Pictures of the old major league teams. All those guys are like 22 years old and they look like they're 45. Exactly. Look at like, you know, I used to have that joke about the Dust Bowl and you'd have these this uh, 15 year old is like 17 year old dude and his 15 year old wife and their two 13 year old kids. And everybody looks 90. (laughs) Um, Go if you think they should have known they should have known what this was going to lead to. Go look at the Dust Bowl because that was an instant view of what people understood about the land. They killed the topsoil. The wind came and blew it all away. And and it was poverty writ large. People were going to farm their own land. They were going to make their own food. It was a hippie paradise in a lot of ways. It was the early hippie paradise. And it failed miserably because people didn't understand. They didn't have a deep understanding that most farmers who'd work for generations on stuff did. Uh, we got to take a break. When we come back, um, uh, Ty from My Hero Power is going to be on with us. And uh, we'll discuss a little bit about, you know, it's it's a nice lead in about how we can kind of, you have the opportunity right now to shift. I, I'm trying to make this as little a sales pitch as I can because it's not. It really isn't. Right. This is something you can do right now to tip that direction if indeed it's not available in your area. Uh, we'll talk to him after we come back. And then we'll, you know, because that to me is the theme of today. How do we get away from fossil fuels in as fast as possible? Reclaim the environment, make life safer and healthier for everybody. We'll be back right after this. I know I'm only on one day a week. I get it. I'm going to have to jump on uh, GarageBand and start sawing something together. This is the house bar show. Blah, 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 wow. And then a guitar note. And then progressive. And all that. Yeah, it's going to be good. Hey, how? Did you mean something like this? This is the house bar show. Blah, 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 wow. And then a guitar hey, note. Yeah. And then progressive. And all that. Yeah, it's going to be good. The House Parks radio program, Mega Worldwide. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um. Welcome back. Uh, joining us right now is uh, Ty from Hero from MyHeroPower.com. Um, I wanted to talk to Ty today specifically. Um, I mean, we, we've we've had Ty on to talk about the company before. And if you don't know what My Hero Power does is they allow you to put your, your monthly payment that you pay for electricity in your home and all that towards renewables without having to change anything materially in your in your domicile which is the big thing that a lot of people can't grasp, right? They're like, oh, I, you know, because I just got solar panels on my home. So we went through that process, Yay. and they are flipping the switch on it next week. So yeah, there's a permitting process, and they come out, and they have a guy climb on your roof and stomp around for a while and drill holes. And, That's my and, favorite and, part. Yeah, and then they put the panels in, and then they squirt some caulk around it. So when it rains, you're like, oh, thanks for sunshine and um, yeah, all that stuff. Uh, that's a lot and it's a lot for some people and it's a lot for, you know, to think about the investment. Um, I live in an area, especially where, you know, water and power are scarce sometimes and air conditioning is a big part of life. So occasionally they're like, they'll tell you to turn your power down. No, don't, you know, don't use as much. 
So if I can take weight mm. off that system, I feel like I I have a responsibility to do so. It's not even so much about locking in my power costs, but also it gives me the ability to know that I'm not drawing from the grid the way everybody else is. Uh, Ty, are you with us? Are you there? I am. Yeah. Yes. Congratulations cool. on your uh, solar purchase. Thanks. It's a you know it's a big deal, and I was I'm very proud. You know, years later after you know I had my house in uh, in Venice for a long time, and that was always the intention, but it was like just starting to have you know, incentives and the ability to do that. Now it's pretty well, that wheel is pretty greased right now. Um, it, you know, before we get into, because you have an environmental podcast that you talk about, you know, you know, not only just our, our, uh, our effect on the environment that we have by the petroleum that we use, the fossil fuels we use in coal, obviously is, you know, probably the biggest polluter in there mixed with, of course, you know, methane, the idea that it's all uh, cow wind. And uh, we all know, I guess, morally and emotionally that uh, Johnny Million is probably as responsible uh, individually as a herd um, <laughs> for that situation. Um, and you're not going to hit me with a sound effect after all that? <laughs> I, I actually was waiting for the moment. There you go. Um, so, uh, but tell us, first of all, tell us about the podcast so people can also listen to that um, um, as well and kind of get us up to speed on that. And then I have some questions about, you know, that shift and, and the idea for the company and how you guys actually turned a good idea into something helpful. Sure. Yeah. So I coast the climate pod mm -hmm. uh, every week. So every week we have discussions with the leading experts on the science, but also the economics, the politics, the, right. the social justice issues, the cultural issues around the climate crisis and, and all that the climate crisis impacts and all that has contributed to the climate crisis. So mm -hmm. we have, you know, we have world leading experts. We have, we have world leaders. We have the, just recently had the uh, prime minister of Australia on the, on the podcast, but a lot, so much of where we are today is, is a result of decisions you know, that were made a long time ago mm -hmm. and I'm talking about, you know, decades ago. And, you know, We've got to understand, you know, why those decisions are made and, and why we are in the place where we are today. And that's really what our podcast is about, because, you know, the science is, is the science. It's straightforward. You know, for the most part, people understand now that as we continue to emit carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases, we are warming the planet. Right. But understanding you know, why that has happened and why it's, it's, it's been uncontrolled for so long and why these fossil fuel companies have been able to get away with misleading, with, with lying and basically delaying climate action for decades, that is the real part of the story that, that we try to tell on, on the climate pod every week. Yeah, well, you can't, you, those companies can't do that. Uh, unless there is a reciprocal um, benefit felt by other people, even if it's, you know, all the way down to the voter where, uh, you know, we knew pollution was terrible and that you don't want it in your lungs a long time ago. I mean, L.A., you know, where I live, uh, you know, when I moved to Los Angeles, when I was, you know, I graduated high school and drove straight to L.A., when I got there, the sky was yellow and brown half the time. It was ugly. You could see the pollution. And in many ways, 
the efforts to clean up that pollution you could see was, you know, tipped against, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll hide the fact you've kind of forgotten about it a little bit. You know, once you can't see it anymore, um, no harm, no foul. And we as the, as the users, the end users of the product, I think have known for a very long time, probably, you know, I would, I wouldn't go back as early as some people, but late seventies, the 90s, really, like I said, when you could see the sky in a lot of places, we've been aware of the damage it can do to our lives and the environment locally. And over time, mm-hmm. you know, we have grown to understand the broader impacts of it because it's never been more interconnected. You know, we, you know, as people and business people travel and as the economy gets more intertwined, you know, we weren't as aware of the the pollution ring around Beijing, for example, you know, which is a miracle of modern idiocy. If anybody knows about this, Beijing's built like a bullseye. And so they decided to build what they call the industrial ring around the city to like ring the city with factories so everybody could just drive straight out from their apartment building to it, no matter where they were. And it basically surrounded the city with choking smoke that no matter which way the wind blowed, there was enough to blanket the city. Um, I I think people had forgotten that there were cities like that all over the world because we had cleaned up our skies a little bit. And now we realize we're all tied together in this. So how do you, this, and having spoken to the person from, you know, Australia, for example, the, the, you know, their, who was it? Their environmental, uh, the prime minister. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So not necessarily the most environmentally friendly guy, ultimately, although they've got a lot of, (laughs) it's big sky country, big sky country down there. And so, you know, Sometimes hotter climates mean bigger spiders. And that's the important thing. We've got over 100,000. The crocs have all come back because we're going back to an environment we haven't seen since the dinosaurs lived. Um, those greenhouse gases, I, I'm sure the crocodiles don't mind to some degree. Uh, they really don't. Um, but, you know, their linkage with us, you're talking to, you know, this is something that during the rise of this was an impossibility you know, the rise of the petroleum industry. And now there's an awareness that they're not necessarily the good guys and they may have been selling us a bill of goods and we may have been looking the other way ourselves because we didn't see another option at the time. Right, and and as consumers, we don't have another option. I mean, right. and that's, I think that's the, that's the critical thing to understand here. You're talking about air pollution and something that people... This number is really hard to wrap your head around, but 7 million people die every single year from air pollution around the world. 7 million. And that number in 2021 seems incomprehensible. And so much of that, you know, so much of the, like you were talking about around Beijing, same thing here in the United States. Those coal plants, those natural gas plants are built in poorer communities, right? Where, Where people cannot, they do not choose to live near these coal and gas plants. They, they're they built there on purpose because companies know that people living in those communities don't have the political power a lot of the times to, to stop that. Well, so I, it, 7 million right. people are dying every year unnecessarily. And with, you know, do you talk about LA as an example? LA is a fantastic example. Mm-hmm. We know that air pollution regulation works because you can see the sky the change. in LA now, right? right? 
yeah, it works. Yes. And so that's that's the frustrating thing is we know the problem. We know the solutions. We have the solutions available to us today, but we just don't have the political will to, to get it done. And that is what is so incredibly frustrating when you look about look at the state of the world today. I I I will say, um, and since we're coming up on the break, I'd like you to stay through the break with the, with us if you have time, because this is a, a an important part of this conversation on 9-11 for me anyways, to discuss, you know, what got us to the point where we were so engaged in the Middle East in in a violent way that led us to a circumstance where this kind of thing could happen. That if, believe me, I don't know if you even know this. I might be springing this on you, Ty. Do you, do you realize that the first person to be killed by a car, run over by a car in the United States, was killed by, do you know it, an electric car? No. Oh, yes. Yes. Henry. Hen- definitely. Yeah. Yes. Henry Bliss was killed in San Francisco stepping off of a trolley car, which was also electric lined up with an electrical system that they have throughout the city. Um, and he stepped off that thing and he was hit by a, a speeding electric vehicle going all of nine miles an hour. Took him three days to die. <laughs> Things happened way slower back then. And there were articles about how these monstrosities move far too fast to be allowed in cities. Um, but they were electric. The, the initial, you know, uh, taxis, uh, the vast majority of them were electric because they didn't pollute. They were quieter. They were, it was, in, you know, and as we move towards better battery technology, our awareness of, uh, you know, you know, moving from lithium ion to solid state batteries and the like, I've talked about that a lot on my live stream. There is an opportunity now for what I would call a force accelerator in this, a, a, uh, uh, an industrial leap forward. Like that, the, the te- interestingly enough, that I think the technology was held back so long where the, pet- the petroleum companies stiff armed, uh, you know, electric vehicles and the like to keep their profits up, that they pushed it back so long that literally the technology has been able to grow in the background with battery life and all kinds of other things that it's going to snap forward in a, in a way that it will take, you know, over the span of human time, 30, 40 years, but in the time of the consumer's mind, five years, it will shock the system. And we have the F-150 from, you know, Ford coming out that's fully electric that you could power your house on for three days from the battery system in it in a storm or an emergency. That's something the, you know, NASCAR Trump fan off the grid prepper types are quite frankly huge fans of and that happened almost in an instant as far as their experience and i think that's how it can let's take a break and when we come back i want to talk about um sort of the way forward and how we transition that uh for for people who are willing and want to make those steps right so we'll be back right after this it's the house Parks radio program mega worldwide on wcpt radio chicago's progressive talk on wcpt 820 a.m we'll be back right after this thanks johnny there you go. You're listening to House Sparks Radio Program Mega Worldwide. Ah, uh, I thought there was going to be like a new one every break. I was so excited. You want more Hal? We'll give oh, you more. House Sparks Radio Program Mega Worldwide on Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCBT 820. Hoo-yah! Very macho. The whole thing's very macho. Um, uh-huh. uh, welcome back to the show, everybody. We're live streaming at infotainmentwork.com and, of course, at flank.com, F W A N Q.com. 
And um, with us is uh, Ty from My Hero Power, myheropower.com. Uh, check it out in the break. Because I, w- as much as I would like to pimp the service, which I genuinely believe in, I am curious that in the, you know, like I said, this ties in for me uh, to, to 9-11 because of our obvious involvement in decades and dec- decades of dealing with oil producers, largely in the Middle East and you know, uh, the, the horridness of uh, our relationship with OPEC, the, I mean, even the hostage crisis that ultimately ended the, the Carter administration and shepherded in the Reagan administration. Um, first of all, you know, what was, what was the sort of, for lack of a better, you know, for uh, a better Ben Franklin uh, analogy, what was the lightning bolt that made you decide to create a business like this to help people in this shift or even that it was possible? Yeah, I think, you know, for for us, we always wanted to make it easier for people to, you know, to contribute to renewable energy. Right. Right. So much of the talk around renewable energy or this transition to a green economy is the sacrifices that people Mm -hmm. have to make. Right. Um, and, And that's just that's not true. I mean, that messaging is is coming from conservatives it's coming from the fossil fuel company mm-hmm. you know this i this whole idea of cutting your carbon footprint your personal carbon footprint the things that you have to sacrifice to do that that's none of that is none of that's true and what we wanted to do is just make it easy your life doesn't have to change right for you to support renewable energy but you know for you to also support politicians that are going out and, and you know and and promoting more renewable energy, making it possible right. for us to power our lives on renewable energy. Just like we power our lives right now with fossil fuels, the alternatives exist. Right. We, we actually have the technology today with 2021 technology to totally decarbonize the electricity grid in less than 15 years. And that's with the solar panels, the, the wind turbines and the battery pa- battery technology that we have today. Imagine how much all of that technology is going to continue to improve right. as it has for the last couple of decades. So the transition is it's there's the only reason why we're not doing it is, is for political reason. It has nothing to do with technology and it really has nothing to do with sacrifice. We've got to talk about the benefits. Right. And, and that's really why we why we started uh, started Hero Power. Right. Well and I, I would say again uh, when when people say the reasoning is political, I don't like to shift the blame off of us. Politicians ultimately chase the dominant thought form, and the, if the dominant thought form is is uh, is run by industry because there is no corresponding uh, argument to that dominant dominant thought form, i.e., coal and gas for a very long time, um, then there is no alternative for that politician to even pitch to the American people as the, you know, it might be tough for a while, but we really need to do this. This is a, that was a conversation that Jimmy Carter was having, putting solar panels on the mm-hmm. White House and 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 mm-hmm. limiting, uh, finally passing the rules on limiting lead exposure in in fuel um, and uh, and and then pushing the, you know, there, there was a shift in, I think, environmental um, groups towards a more local, you know, all politics being local, if we're going to make that argument, that if you understanding the damage of pollution, like you said, you know, we send 100,000 kids to the hospital every year 
with pollution-related illnesses, respiratory illnesses and skin problems and all kinds of other stuff. 100,000. And I've often said when you're arguing with the right wing, especially who are, you know, against any kind of environmental cause, you can argue that point with them. I don't I don't need you to understand climate change. I don't need you to grasp it. But you can understand toxic water, toxic air. And the people that you were talking about, especially the impoverished people of like places like West Virginia that are around these coal places, I would even argue that downstream, and I've talked about this being from Kentucky myself and growing up and going to like scout jamborees with kids from Eastern Kentucky who were living in Appalachia and were downstream, didn't even benefit from the coal jobs, were miles and miles and miles away from these places and were drinking toxic water from these places. And, and you know, their relatives had birth defects for decades because of this, that that argument in a caring sense with these folks and going, we're talking about not polluting water. We're talking about not polluting the air because of, you know, the children, the unborn. If you want to talk about the damage done to the unborn from environmental toxins that simply are not there if we shift to renewables. And mm-hmm. then the geopolitical uh, ties that we have to maintain just to guarantee that oil prices, you know, like even Biden had to, you know, talk to the uh, to OPEC about, um, you know, increasing supply. That's not oil we even use anymore. That's so that the prices in Europe don't go up so that our oil companies don't chase that higher price, sell to Europe and not. And the price in the United States goes up, affecting the economy. We are still making political decisions about the health of our economy based on oil we don't even use and that I think is is where I I think we can start pushing the conversation as well. So um, I I'm, I know you're not necessarily going to want to do it on uh, you know on today in particular, but I'm going to myheropower.com. Please go check it out if you're in an area. What it you know you'll see what it does. Now here's the thing: um, in talking on your climate podcast, if people are interested in keeping up with this, what was before we get to the bottom of the hour? What was sort of the biggest shock or eye-opening fact or experience you had in doing the podcast because obviously you wouldn't do it if you you know if you weren't already engaged in the in in the conversation but there has to have been a oh my gosh moment at some point in doing the show over the last you know however long you've been you know the last year especially hundred and yeah 130 some episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much. I mean, learning, talking to experts all around the world, we learn something every single week. I'll, I will tell you this, though, and I, it is you know relevant to the conversation that you're having today. Mm-hmm. The, the 1970s mm-hmm. were the critical decade for the for setting the American pathway, uh, the energy pathway. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know I actually spoke with the historian Jay Hakes on the podcast about his book Energy Crises. Mm-hmm. And what, what most people don't, what most people remember about the gas crisis of the seventies is just these long lines right. at the pump. But but what most people don't realize is that the decisions that were made in response to this oil crisis by Nixon, Ford, and Carter. Yep. They locked us in to this fossil fuel dependence for you know the next fifty years, mm-hmm. and of course you know Reagan came in and only made everything worse. Right. But understanding you know understanding our response 
to a to a tragedy, right? To a, to a crisis, and and figuring out the long term repercussions of, of that of all those decisions that were made in the seventies. I mean, really, you know, as you look at other crises that America has faced over the decades and seen how we've responded, most of the time, not well. Mm-hmm. And you, you just helps you understand, again, where we are today, why we are in the place we are today. And you just hope that we and our leaders can learn from those mistakes mm-hmm. and and start responding better. Yeah, I, you know, um, I will. uh in my own way, push back on that a little bit, because I would like to remind everybody in our in our own personal growth arc and in the growth arc of any nation on Earth or all the other nations on Earth. Um, there is a level of assumed uh, both interest and awareness and a ability, a responsibility that we think we look back on generations past, they had a responsibility to fix this before it became a crisis without the ability to actually respond. That the technology we are dealing with today, again, is a force accelerator. The, the you know, from AI and computers and the ability to kind of design a car and put it out without ever having to do it. Like new cars from Tesla, for example, they pass the crash test test that they do before they are ever fabricated because of technology. They can make an electric car and present it to DOT, to the Department of Transportation, and then run the test and know it will pass. Something that cars way back when they didn't, you know, when that wasn't even a remote possibility. When I had a, you know, when I had a 512K Mac and that was amazing, right? When it, there were no hard drives in your computer, you had disks and that was that. Um, we now have no excuse. We now have responsibility because we have the ability to respond. We have alternatives. We have an awareness of the damage like no other generation ever on earth. We are the generation that people can look back in the future and go and say they could have and should have done something in a drastic way. I don't blame my grandparents or my parents' generation, because quite frankly, the intermix of social, social and domestic dynamics mixed with foreign, you know, uh, economics and and the and the fact that we didn't even have enough gas stations to get a car from A to B a long time ago, and we had range anxiety about that. They gave us every horror movie in the fifties. We have to. We're at the end of the hour, um, but I I want to remind everybody to go to myhero.com. Check it out. And if it's a possibility in your area, especially in the Chicagoland area, to start, you know, using renewables before the system around you has changed. You be a part of that. You can put your money where your mouth is. You can put your money where your belief system is. And with, you know, it's not going to be a tooth pull. And then knowing that, knowing you're doing that, then even stepping further into it. Maybe that's the first step. And then you put solar panels on your house as well. Perhaps you, if you're out in the far reaches of Illinois, you can start looking into geothermal as a possibility and those kind of things. Getting your system where you don't ever have to be a part of that energy grid except to maybe share what you're making with everyone else. It's a great possibility. And and uh, thanks so much, Ty, for being with us today. Thank you. Absolutely. We'll be back right after this. I totally rode into the break, but that's what we got to do. It's the House Park Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. (laughs) 